Welcome back to this program. We have this amazing leader today. We've had her on the program before. She's a role model in so many ways. She's talked to us before about what's happening in the industry and technology and change, but we're really going to kind of focus today on the kind of state of the industry, really down to a personal level today. She was elected to our board of trustees last year, served in, in that capacity. She's an amazing educator. She helps people across the globe uh, with professional development and really getting the best out of each other. Welcome back to the program, Sarah Richardson, Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Tivity Health, which is a little different than last time, Sarah. It is, Russ, and thanks for having me back. Well, our pleasure to say the least. Well, I'm mean, speaking of last time, we talked a lot about how you were doing and family. And even since then, I mean, you're, you're kind of our change guru. We always lean on you whenever we're ready to do change. I know you've got a little bit of changes and things that you're going through and have recently and continue to go through even up to a move. So we'd love to hear what, an update on what you're doing personally. Sure. And thanks for, again, for asking. It's interesting because I don't stagnate well. I don't idle well, as I like to call it. And so there's always a space of like whatever you're doing, it's also thinking about what's next, except that also appreciating and living in the moment that you're in today. So, you know, we teach strategy and vision. I just literally taught that class about an hour ago for our Optimum cohort. And it's clearly when you have that vision, you know where you want to go and how you get there. It's constantly morphing, but always enjoy the journey. Enjoy getting there because- Every time you get to that thing where you say, okay, I accomplished this thing I was looking to accomplish in my life, you do it for a period of time. But unless you really appreciate what it took to get there, you miss half of the learning, half of the experiences that go along with that. So yes, we, I've started working at Timothy Health. I started in March. Uh, love the organization, love everything about it. Grateful that at my age, you know the right questions to ask before you join an organization to make sure it's a good fit. And we are as a fully uh, remote role didn't have to stay in Los Angeles anymore. So I'm here until those final touches get put on my home that I'm remodeling up near San Francisco. But like anything with a pandemic, there's lots of delays. So you got to kind of just roll with it because nothing ever happens exactly on time anymore. Well, that's really one of the main reasons we really want it. Besides, we just love having you on the program, but really the real reason for today, and that is you thrive in what most would infer to be a chaotic environment, uh, at least busy, uh, but you also, uh, you, you really kind of learn how to maximize everything, work, family, exercise, mental health, overall wellness, those type of things. And like you said, you've changed jobs, you're getting ready to change locations all during COVID. Uh, how do you keep any of that in any sense? Well, most people that are around me, would say that it's almost like being in this constant vortex of things happening. And while you could look at a vortex and think, oh my gosh, it's going to like suck everything in and like surround it. You can also look at it as being a, a constant, like the most concentrated space of energy that can occur. So what's most important about all of those things that you constantly take on or do in your life, it's talk about it. Like, Know when you're having a good day. Know when you're having a bad day. Know when you need help with something and to be okay with asking for it. Know when you can't do it all. Know when to say no. It's these spaces of like, we don't sit in our car and commute anymore per se. I mean, a lot of people do. I, I will say that I'm very fortunate when that I don't have to get up super early and get ready for work and then drive to work and be in the office all the time. Now I do travel quite a bit for work, which I've always done and I actually enjoy very much. There's those spaces though, Russ, where 
you have to allow yourself the opportunity to be happy or sad or frustrated or, or, or concerned or aware of what's happening at any given moment. And it used to be that you just had to put on this facade and it wasn't okay to say, hey, I'm not my, my best self today. Now, more and more, you open meetings and say, how are you? How are you doing? And you talk about things like a water main breaking or trying to get flooring done or a sick parent or a sick child. Like those are real conversations we're allowed to have that maybe we weren't allowed to have before that I love because it makes us humans, which is really what it always boils down to anyway. Everything we do is a personal interaction. The technology that we support, it's already there. That's the easy part. How do you make the connections with humans that allow us to show up as our best self? Well, it's funny you say that because even last week I, uh, I had one of those days and I, I usually have one really horrific day about once every 10 years. And it was one of those. And I saw my wife and I said, today's that day. She said, oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going shopping. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to go to the beach with my friend, do something. She goes, you know, I remember this a long time ago when you went through one of those days and, and it's okay. It's all okay for us to have that. Well, mm-hmm. you know, you, you are, you are, uh, I wouldn't say you're the vortex by any means in, in your analogy there, but you you really do. You thrive in that change and you just move to a new organization mm-hmm. activity, which a lot of people, our listeners probably haven't heard of. So tell us a little bit about Tivity and uh, you were in a great organization. Why, why would you move? Why would you make this change right in the middle of COVID? So I always tell people the best time to make a change is when you don't need to or have to. If you are in a job or in a company where things are going relatively well and you're not unhappy and you're cruising along, then ask yourself, is, am I challenged enough? Is this hard enough for me? Like sometimes it's totally okay to have a, a space where we get to be on cruise control for a role or a job. Totally okay. And there's different scenarios in our lives and different seasons where we know that that's a statement. So I was at a space where I was like, this is, is not hard enough. It's not challenging me to an extent where I feel like I can, you know, exponentially continue to grow. And so I got curious about what could be next, what could be out there. And I wasn't looking hard per se, because I wasn't seriously unhappy at my last role. In fact, I had all kinds of great experiences in my last company, but I'd been there five years. And for me, it's like this magical number of like time to reinvent. And Mm -hmm. I started, I started looking, I started being curious and I found Tivity or we found each other and Tivity is an organization that is primarily focused on senior wellness. We provide silver sneakers. That's the brand that is a fitness benefit through Medicare Advantage programs. And, and we have 18 million eligible members. So if you're a senior that has Medicare Advantage through say Humana, you likely have silver sneakers as your fitness benefit or fitness and wellness benefit. We've historically always been the fitness aspect. And now we're getting into social engagement and mental enrichment and all these different aspects of if Medicare Advantage provides it as, a, as an extra benefit, we are that provider for you. So we become, we've become this conglomerate really of a space where we have the most information about senior wellness and patterns of behavior. So we get to tackle things like loneliness and isolation and access to care that are a big deal for, for healthcare providers and, and the payers, the insurance companies, because these are our most fragile population other than children. How do we make sure that our seniors have everything that they need so that they are truly fit and well? And happy and engaged and have social components of their lives that allow them to live longer, healthier, healthier, happier lives, you know, independently as well. So um, I have a background in hospitality, background in fitness, background in healthcare. 
all of that converged with Tivity Russ. It was like kismet. And so here I am and I literally, literally love everything about it. Well, it's interesting. You talk about that uh, mental period of time and, and I've been really trying to tune into this. We've done some of our own surveys at Chime, been reading a lot about this, doing a lot of research and uh, we actually got some charts at the very beginning, beginning COVID where they talked about the fourth or fifth wave of COVID is not COVID, it's mental health and mm-hmm. well, mental well-being, which, by the way, we just really stink at in this country. Uh, <laughs> we separate the mind and the spirit from the body and think these things are not interchanged, but we're definitely going through a mental health crisis. Uh, just one of the statistics the other day is there's a 400% increase in teen suicide attempts just in the last nine months. And that's not okay. And you spend a lot of time coaching people, both personally and professionally. You, you are a certified coach. You, are, mm-hmm. uh, you engage people at the most personal level. Tell us, you know, how are you helping people through these times? It's not just job stuff that's tough right now. It's everything. How are you helping people? What are you seeing? What's interesting about that space, Russ, is that, yes, I'm a career coach. And most of my clients now take on about 20 to 30% of the time we spend together talking about how they also integrate that with their lives. Because guess what? Your career and your, and your home life are totally not separate anymore. Not that they really ever were, but it's that permission to really meld them together. So I think part of it is how well your organization, the company you work for, allows it to be a thing. So I'm so fortunate. Again, I mentioned I work at Tivity. We have benefits like health advocate. It's our employee assistance provider, but they're a wealth of information on everything that you would need from how you care for your kids or your parents or yourself during all of these unique times. Because if you've got, you know, depression, stress, anxiety, grief, any of those things that go along with having to have an extra responsibilities of care, wow, that's something we help you with. We talk about it at work. It was Suicide Prevention Month. And there was a whole article about understanding warning signs, whether that's people talking or writing about it, withdrawal from friends and family, uh, a painful life event, change in behavior. Like, How do you recognize it, but also create an outreach for, for an individual? Um, we just redid all of our, our mission, vision, and values at activity. And one of them is about we embody healthier living and how it actually speaks to the overall wellness of our organization. And then of course, just training and support. So the most important thing you could ever ask somebody truly is how they are doing and then listening for what's both being said and not being said. And that allows you to dig into something like the power of silence. How are you taking care of yourself? That most importantly, there's no right way to do self-care Sometimes we get boxed into these things. Well, it means you have to do this, this, or this. So maybe meditation doesn't work for somebody. Maybe exercise doesn't work for somebody. Ways to de-stress. And then what I believe is most important is letting people know it's okay not to be okay sometimes. Mm. So what led you to really want to study this more, to embrace this more? Um, it, It is really part of being able to help people be better at everything. So to your point, I love change and nothing is more constant than change, whether you self-create it or it happens to you. And most people don't want to have things happen to them. So how do you create 
confidence? How do you create empowerment in individuals that allows them to feel like they're a little bit in the driver's seat, even when for the most part, you're not. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. You can only be prepared for what you think might happen of what you plan for most effectively. But I started doing coaching because A, I love it. B, I actually believe I'm pretty good at it. And I was doing it anyway. So if you're already coaching people, then to get certified in practitionership, because the continuing education that's required to maintain licensure for uh, International Coaching Federation is pretty significant. It's a lot of work to do it. And if you're going to do something, you want the credentials behind you to do it. The other piece about mental health and wellness is, and this is where I say it's okay to talk about it. I have a history of some of these things in my family. Um, I, I do not hide the fact that my father committed suicide. That has a big responsibility in a family to understand why it happened. And that's typically not a fluke. So whatever those mechanisms or drivers were, then a lot of who we are is genetically dispositioned. Um, Nature, nurture, all those different pieces. So I became very curious about mental health because it was obviously very prevalent uh, in my family. So if you understand it, you tend not to be as afraid of something. At least that's been my take on multiple scenarios in life. Well, you are not just a, a, a preacher, as they say. You are a practitioner as well. And, and you've been really focusing during, for, for lack of a better term, the COVID-18 months on, on, a little, on your own personal changes and journey. If you wanted to share a little bit, that would be wonderful. Yeah, so I believe a bunch of us had that moment. Like, okay, March 2020, we're still at home. April 2020, we're still at home. And you have this moment, you're like, okay, I'm kind of at home for a while. Like, what am I going to do with myself? Do you binge watch TV? Do you become a great cook? Do you decide to take a class? Like whatever people decided to do, it was their own decision. I got into this space where my husband and I used to travel for work all the time. And I'll be honest, I put a few pounds on and I was looking and I'm like, we can't be those people. We can't just be those people that got all like pudgy and happy together and like hoped that, you know, it would somehow disappear because it doesn't disappear as you get older. It gets harder and harder to make it go away. Um, always had a huge passion for fitness, but I'm not going to say I was the most fit person when COVID happened. I was probably 20 pounds heavier than I needed or wanted to be. I'd been caring for an elderly or for a sick parent. I'd been on the road and I just let myself eat, you know, airport food and all that good stuff. So COVID hits and we decided to get a Peloton and became obsessed with it. And then I'm like, Ooh, we're working out all the time. I can get my certified personal training, you know, credentials and do that through the national Academy of sports medicine, which I totally did. So not only did I lose 30 pounds during COVID, I became a personal trainer and become really a more of a lifestyle advocate on how wellness, whether it's nutrition, behavior, weight loss, um, sleep, meditation, all those pieces all congruently can help you figure out how to deal with not only the, the isolation, the fear and the anxiety, the doubt that COVID and uncertainty has brought into our lives, but allows you to also say, I don't have to pick all of those things. I can just pick one thing I like doing. And if you like doing something, guess what? You will continue to do it. So wellness and health and even exercise, just pick something you like doing. Because if you get to do something you like to do, it automatically makes you feel better. Well, you mentioned Peloton, and and um, but probably it's not going to happen in my future uh, by any means. I'm not part of the Peloton gang. I fully admit it. But what other resources can, can you recommend for people? So it's fascinating, too. We talk about the digital journey that we're always on. There's literally an app for that. There's an app for absolutely anything you could ever want, and we know those things. But there's also that space that says, if you are dealing with being potentially lonely, 
you're not alone in that, in that area. And there are groups, whether it's meetup groups online or different um, organizations that you can go and help others who are combating loneliness. So I say this because I think about um, senior care residential homes and especially during COVID, how nobody could come to visit them. And there were programs that started up where they had digital buddies and they set up time where you can meet with a senior on an iPad or you could send them cards. And many have opened up for visitors now in, in different places. And so there are people who are truly alone as well. And so being able to go and volunteer your time or volunteer energy you may have to help somebody else combat something you may be feeling is a really powerful place to be. Because anytime you put yourself into somebody else's shoes, you realize that everybody has something and maybe theirs is harder than yours is. And so when you can give back your time or volunteer your time to help others who are facing something, either you are too, or something for which you have a very strong belief or cause for, then it gives you a sense of purpose. And that purpose and that identity are some of the biggest things that can help people get out of a rut that they're in, um, especially if, again, they're confined to the walls of their home. Um, how do you get outside that space in a way that makes you feel like what you're doing matters in a way that hadn't necessarily been true before? So, you know, you mentioned this earlier, people don't like to be changed as if mm-hmm. I'm forcing that. They don't dislike change. They just dislike not being involved in the change process. And we do a lot. I mean, that's kind of our living in healthcare IT is constantly changing things for people that don't want to be changed per se. You teach at our Chime University. And and again, we lean on you almost exclusively to teach about change leadership, not change management, not project management skills and PMP certified, but change leadership, helping people through the process of change. What's the difference between the two, between change leadership and change management? Well, to your point, I mean, change management, whether it's ITIL based or it's planning and budgeting and staffing and problem solving, like that's what we we all do every day. And that makes many people, many people feel super valuable. Like, oh, people come to me for, for problems. They come to me to solve things. I'm great at operations. I'm great at that. And that's all well and good. And most of us have an aspect of that that's super important in our careers and our lives. The thing is, if you're going to truly be a leader and you're going to change the way people look at how things are done or why things are done, then how do you motivate and inspire people? What, what creates them to want to do something differently? How do you align them in an area that says, yeah, it's going to be really painful to go here, but we know that we need to, and here's why. And then it's always about that articulation of the vision of the future. I really recently have been calling it the art of possible or art of the art of possible at work. And we're doing some really big changes at Tivity for all the right reasons about how we've created enterprise data fabric, about how we're creating software defined data centers, about how we're doing some of our programs in low code environments. That is very disruptive to people because we're doing it really quickly as well. And so what is the art of the possible? What does it mean that you will be able to do as a practitioner in the future? What does it mean for our members? What does it mean for us in terms of continuing to grow a company that is unique in our offering and in our space? And so a lot of that comes down to, you have to create that awareness and that desire. We all know that. How do you create a space that says, what if, what if, so what, what does this mean? How are you a part of it? You get that creativity and the curiosity and you do it in a safe manner. So change is usually scary because, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to me? Take the time to make it personal. You make it personal because you took the time to meet the human where they are and know things about them that matter outside of just their job function and their duties. 
you get some really, really amazing dialogue that can occur in an organization because you took the time to create a space to have it. And most importantly, you took time to listen to what they're telling you. So every journey starts with kind of a first step. I mean, it's just kind of a little bit of cliche to say that. And, but I would say if, if it is true, any of these statistics, everybody right now out there, despite COVID and all the change that's happened, still need also focus kind of on personal change and improvement. What's that kind of that first step recommendation? What, what, if you, if you, yeah, I know each person's different, but if you could recommend one thing for people to start focusing on uh, right out of the gate, what would it be? When I saw this question, I was like, wow, you could take it down so many different paths. And yet it has to be something that you choose. It's terrible when somebody chooses something for you. That goes back for us to our whole point of like, people don't want things to happen to them. What I would endeavor for anybody to do and wanting to do something new or different or more of something is truly, what do you love that you want to be doing more of? There was an article in Wall Street Journal this week about uh, women being burned out and restless from the, from the pandemic and redefining their career ambitions. It was pretty interesting. A lot of women leaving high-powered corporate roles, and not because they didn't think that they could do them, but because they realized, oh my gosh, I could make... This one lady who was an architect decided to become a landscape architect. She's like, I love being outside, especially the pandemic taught her, you know, you need to be outside more. It's safer to be outside. So she decided to become a landscape architect. She's busier than she's ever been. It's not easy to start a new company or to start a new role. And there's always the, I'll joke with clients that I coach and say, until, until it pays the bills, your, your hobby is a hobby. It's not really a job because you need to be able to sustain yourself. But there's so much unpaid work that you have to tackle at home anyway. What are the things that you absolutely love to do that if you wanted to make it a career could generate income for you? So I'd always start by saying, what do you love to do that you wish you could do more of? And then figure out how to do that. And if you have to buy back your time by getting a housekeeper or a dog walker, I believe you've heard the story before where one of my girlfriends had, was having someone walk her dogs because then she could clean her house and she realized that she actually loves to walk her dogs. So she hired someone to clean her house instead. So now she walks, she swapped the two, but the amount of joy it brought in her life. She's like, I'm walking my own dogs. I love this. Little things like that make huge differences. And it's those I think macro changes that happen one at a time that let you build upon creating that confidence in yourself because confidence is really about doing something over and over again that you're successful and so you feel good about it. So let's say, start with what you love. So, so let's, uh, with kind of our, with the time we have left, kind of this last question is really around our industry, health IT and really the pace... We, we really are the enablers for change now. Health IT is accelerating the pace of change like we've never seen before. It enables the business to change on a dime when it needs to, like we did at the beginning of COVID. But as we said, this creates an unbelievable stressful pace. We used to 
we're used to changing slowly in healthcare. Now we're changing at a pace like we've never done before. What's your recommendation for really the industry? I, I talk to other CEOs in healthcare now, whether they're on the provider sector and some of our vendor partners or whatever, they're all feeling the same thing. They, they almost feel like they're out of control right now. What would be your recommendation to, to deal with this pace? The first piece is to recognize that, that that's how people feel. Because if you're, if you truly are overwhelmed by the amount of activity that's happening, then you're not alone. And there's these moments where people are like, gosh, am I the only one? Absolutely not. So it starts with, you know, at the top, letting people know that, gosh, I feel overwhelmed by the amount of things that are happening. The other key thing to realize about humans in general is that we cannot do it all. And we just did a whole strategy, obviously for next year and a refresh on some things. And we're realizing that while we have, you know, there were 39 ideas that we had out there. We boiled it down to 14 that became eight actual items, like eight key strategic initiatives we will pursue this next year, in addition to the keeping the lights on some of the other work. Eight, which if you look at the list, you're like, oh, that doesn't seem like very many, except for the fact that when you start to put all of the things that need to happen under each of those strategic deliverables as an organization, it's huge, especially if some of them are are obviously happening at the same time. Teams can do about three to five things really well at one time. So if you have eight major initiatives throughout the course of the year, in addition to everything else you already have happening, how do you have the discipline to stay focused on those items and measure when they're going well, where you need to make adjustments? Is it still the right strategy when new regulatory or new conditions come out, maybe mid-year? Like you have to be willing to flex and change, willing to admit mistakes. We had something come up a couple of weeks ago and I literally was like, oops, and it wasn't like, oops, like I didn't care. But I said to the team, this is a big oops for us. Like We've got to figure out how we can get around this thing that happened organizationally so we can still meet the business's expectations. So share, share your failures, share your success. Know that when things are hard, recognize how hard it's going to be. Here's the other thing though. Take time to celebrate it. Take time to be like, hey, after now, after major milestones or major project closures, we celebrate, we take time to say like, good job to you guys or good job to this team because so many of us, Russ, have skeleton crews. We all were asked to cut back on staffing during COVID. All of us had to still deliver on business needs for a faster degree than ever before. People are exhausted. And so how do you literally let people know like, thank you for a job well done. It's not going to get easier, but if we continue to grow and do well, we can hire more people again to get the work done. So, um, it's hard work. If it was easy, someone else would be doing it. But find ways that make it okay to talk about in the, in the industry, but also that it's okay not to get it right out of the gate every time. How are you sharing what success and failure look like in your organization? Well, you know, it's interesting because in Steve Jobs' book, he talks about that Apple was incapable of focusing on more than three things at a time. And when he'd go into meetings, he would say, narrow it down to three. And they go, well, we have these 12. He say, narrow it down to three. We've got these four, narrow it down to three. And he would beat on them. And he'd say, you know, sometimes I was wrong. It wasn't three. Sometimes it was two. (laughs) They were, I mean, the biggest company, one of the biggest companies now in the world could only focus on two or three things successfully. That's that's such great advice. Well, kind of a a last curveball I'll throw your way. And that is uh, looking into the Sarah Richardson crystal ball here and looking a, a little bit into our near future. You know, COVID is what COVID is today, unfortunately. But, but how do you see us kind of coming out of this over the next, oh, I don't know, 
12 months, 18 months, 24 months. How do you, how do you see us progressing maybe as a society or a healthcare system or those kinds of things and things we should be focusing on? You know, it's interesting you ask the question that way because I don't like the term new norm because I don't know that the way we did things before was normal. It was since it was more of a, a the way we socially accepted things. My initial belief is that it is harder to get the day-to-day work done in terms of like when we all used to be in office together, it was pretty cool because you'd bop back and forth between offices or you'd see somebody on the way to the lunchroom or you'd see somebody someplace and you'd literally have a hallway conversation that allowed you to get things accomplished. So while we will have these distributed workforces, which I believe is very, very common and here to stay, you still have to create time together, whether it's in person or informally in an online setting and having tools to do that thoughtfully that allow you to have freedom of thought without having it be scheduled all the time. Because the greatest creativity used to be like, you know, I remember being stuck on a bridge for two hours in Baton Rouge on my way in between Louisiana, uh, Tulane University and, and a place we had in Alexandria and worked for HCA. And like in those two hours stuck on that bridge, we did, you know, carpool karaoke and all kinds of stuff to keep ourselves entertained. But we also solved a lot of big issues that were like happening in our org because we had time to like have fun and think about it. So create places where you get to just be, go do something fun, get on a call. It is not like we did Pictionary as one of our celebrations on Friday for one of our project closures. And so we had a Pictionary competition trying to use the annotate button in Zoom, which was hilarious, but it allowed people just to be together and be goofy. And so if you're not going to have unstructured time, um, figure out a way to make that happen, even if it's uh, virtually, because it's not always about just checking a box that says we've created this milestone on this project. Wow. Sarah, this is probably one of the best podcasts for really everybody to listen to because we all need this right now. We all need a bit of mental health. We all need a bit of spiritual and physical health. Uh, after we've dealt with really 18 months of kind of chaos, change, and pain. And so Mm -hmm. we absolutely appreciate you. We don't want people to flood to you. And now you have 8,000 customers and clients (laughs) on this, but uh, especially for our Chime listeners out there, you can always uh, lean on our friend, Sarah, for a little bit of help and advice. Thank you so much for all you do for our entire industry, Sarah. You are truly one of our superstars. Likewise. Thank you, Russ. Hey, we'd like to thank you also for joining us for this episode of the Digital Health Leaders Podcast. We'd also like to thank our special sponsor, LK, one of our wonderful foundation members and firms. You can visit this and all of our programs on chimecentral.org forward slash media or on Apple or Spotify. For now, remember what Sarah said today. It's okay to not be okay. Take that mental health day if you need to. Please stay vigilant and safe during these times. If you haven't got your vaccine, please consider doing so. It's not just for you, but for all those people around you that you care and love. Be safe, take care, and God bless.